Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome everybody. This is Derek Vaness, your host with the Small Business Big Life Podcast. And I'm excited to drop some more wisdom right in the middle of your plate so you can eat it up and be satiated today. Now, my guest today, Leslie Hassler, is here. She's going to show you some things and tell you about some things that she's learned, some things that she's gotten from her journey. And I would imagine, based on her experience, what I know about her, that she's going to share some things with you that are going to be very profound and you're going to want to listen up. So, Leslie, I'm really excited to have you here on the show. Welcome. Howdy. How are you? Howdy. You're down in Texas, aren't you? I am. <laughs> I, I love it. So for people who aren't familiar with you and your work, why don't you tell us real quick uh, who you are, both as a person and what you do for business and how people can get in touch with you if they love all the things you're about to say. Surely. Well, I do personally identify with being a serial entrepreneur. That's kind of why what I do now is so perfect for me. Uh, I founded Your Biz Rules about seven years ago. And what we do is we help guide service-based businesses to transform their business from being maybe cash-strapped and, and survive mode to into thriving and scaling. And so we do that in a way that's very practical, very easy to attain and profitable and sustainable. So that's a bit of uh, the work that we do. And one way that we accomplish that is through our Scaling Rich method. So that's probably the best place to go find us would be at scalingrich.com. We actually have a fabulous quiz there that kind of helps people understand where they are on their journey and what they should be working on now um, and maybe what they should never work on again. I love that. I love that. So scalingrich.com. So I teach something called the stairway to wealth, right? And it's sort of an order to go through things financially. Do this first, do this second, do this third. It sounds like your quiz really identifies that for people. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I find a lot of people want that guidance, right? If you've ever been lost in your business and you're like, we're kind of doing this thing, but I don't, and I know where I want to end up, but I don't really know what's next. So Because be you've never been where you are today, right? Yeah. You've never been where you are today. So yeah, yeah. And if you have, you're running in circles. So time to break the pattern, right? <laughs> For sure. Sure. So just so we can start the show off with the bang here, Leslie, uh, if you could give one piece of advice to entrepreneurs that are out there, you've obviously worked with a ton of them. Uh, what is that piece of advice you would share with them? I would say that profit is an intention, not a reward. There's no profit fairy out there that's suddenly going to say you're big enough you've worked hard enough, you've got the right clients, and magically says, now you deserve profits. I think so many business owners treat profit as a reward. And in that case, they rob themselves of really building financial stability in their business from day one. So that's where I would, that's my truth bomb for you right there. I love it. I love it. So I want to dig just a little on that. Yeah. Um, so when you say that, 
as someone who's never heard you say that before, what I'm hearing you say, and tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, is a lot of people like reinvest, reinvest, reinvest in their business until they hit a certain level of success. And then they say, okay, now I can start taking profits out of the business. Is that what you're saying? Instead of like paying themselves as they go or something different? That's a component of it. I think really if we take a product-based business and a service-based business, you know, product-based, when you hit a million dollars in sales, you typically reach your minimum viable uh, concept, right? You've proved you can make money with this. Mm -hmm. In service-based businesses, I've seen too many business owners lock on to that magic number of Mm -hmm. seven figures in their business and say, that's when we'll be profitable. Mm -hmm. But really the name of the game in service-based businesses is to find your MVP. So your minimum viable profitability Because once you've gotten that going at the lowest revenue point possible, you can use the business to self-invest. So it is a little bit of a mind shift change about how you take profitability, how you reinvest it. But it's also understanding that the name of the game is to find your profitability as quickly as possible so that you can continue to stay in business and you don't have to wait for that million dollar payday someday to actually be able to create income and create personal wealth and, and legacy in your business and impacting your community. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I love that. One of my favorite books on business is a book called The Zigzag Principle. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he says is your first zig is to profitability, right? Become profitable. Then the next zag is to add resources, right? So systems, team, that kind of stuff. And then once you kind of get all your systems and everything really honed and your team firing on all cylinders, then you go to scale. Um, but he, he makes that same point that you do get profitable as quickly as you possibly can, because waiting for that can be a, a real, you know, real problem for a lot of people. So I love what you're saying. Awesome. So, so tell me a little about this, Leslie, like how, how'd you get into this business? Where did this come from for you? I don't think that many people wake up and say, oh, I want to be a business consultant coach for, uh, for service-based businesses. Like that's a very specific niche and group, which is awesome. But where'd that come from? Um, you know, my first business 14 years ago, I call I became an accidental entrepreneur. And that was on Wednesday, I found out I wasn't going to have a job on Monday. And mm. so I opened up my my first business in those three days, because ignorance is bliss. <laughs> um, so I really launched into at that point in time, we did interior design and remodeling, um, a service based business. And we launched in 2007. So we had a great, great rise until 08, 09, and a huge crash, which was really traumatic. Um, I really, I really took it personally, um, and kind of did some self punishment. Uh, Like I stopped paying myself, but I paid everybody else. You know, there were so many things there that I did in my business. 2011, I, I was at a make or break moment, it really was kind of like, okay, I either need to put up or shut up, I need to figure this out or get out. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just can only bleed cash for so long. And I decided to get help. And we just, we went to work on the business fundamentals, not the shiny objects, not the latest trend, um, all those things. And we grew back that business 150% in six months. So that was awesome. 
but I wasn't happy with it. (laughs) (laughs) I really had built a business that sucked more of my soul than fed more of my soul. And Mm. even when I got the money fixed, it just wasn't enough. And so I went into two years of conversation with God. It really was, I walked around and said, okay, God, if it's not this, then what? If it's not this, then what? And I could really care less what the color of the year was at the time and, and still could really care less what the color of the year was. But I've been fascinated with business. Like mm. I walk into a restaurant and I count how many tabletops they have and and approximate their average sale. And I'm like, man, do you know how much money you could generate in an hour? Like, that's just the way my brain works. So mm. like I mentioned, I, have, I would be a serial entrepreneur and I knew my husband's risk tolerance isn't there. (laughs) (laughs) So I looked at, okay, what is it that really would feed me on all levels and um, came into the coaching space, the consulting space. Um, We like to do it a little different because I've been there before, but this is my playground. This is where I was meant to be. You know, we were chatting about the book range and being a generalist in a specialist society. So Mm -hmm. much of my experience really does position me to understand you know, those day-to-day things that every business owner goes against. So while we work on growth, we work a lot on business management too. Gotcha. Wow. So super interesting story there. And uh, I've definitely went through all of those stages. I don't know if those were called the the stages of the the mortgage meltdown or those are the stages (laughs) of grief or what they are, but literally. Very similar. (laughs) The the soul sucking, the years of wandering. Mm -hmm. And figuring it out. And, and what I really love that you did there, Leslie, is you didn't just say, how can I make money, right? I feel like a lot of people, and especially once you've been in business for a while, I think for a lot of people, it becomes really transactional. And so when they do that, they lose the soul, they lose the meaning, they lose the fulfillment. And it sounds like that's kind of where you were. I love that you started from like, what would be exciting? What would be fun? What would feed me? And then figuring out from there, how do we make that into something that's valuable to other people? So that's, that's super cool um, because I think a lot of people get it backwards or they start on one side and move to the other. So once you got that going, like how did you find your, your specialty with service-based businesses and why service-based? You told me a couple of things before the, the call that I thought were really interesting. So I wanted to just kind of get your perspective on how or why you ended up with service-based businesses. So um, partly because it was the world I came from, you know, and even in my professional world, being in an advertising and marketing for several years, it's just, I understood service. And then to a certain certain extent, I really understand the consumer. And I feel like service-based businesses are the unsung heroes of our economy. They make up 80% of most small businesses out there. They're not the big, huge stars. They're typically not the Fortune 500s, you know, and and a really good service-based business probably is going to top out at five or 10 million if you're, if you get there and that's a very small subset. So they don't even like fall into this small business definition, small cap um, that a lot of people like, or mid-market, you know, that people like to talk about. They really are the underpinning. And part of my um, part of our vision is really about inspiring prosperity for every business owner. And I just come from a childhood where my parents were entrepreneurs and it did not go well. Mm. Um, it led to bankruptcy and it led to a lot of really bad crap in our lives. And um, I'm like, if if every business can be their level of prosper prosperity, whatever that is, 
then they feed so many other people in their community. So I just, I, I see it as very um, symbiotic and, you know, helping, helping the unsung heroes really keep our business and our world going. So I just have a huge heart for the people out there that are using their heads, their hearts and their hands to get things done. Yeah. I love that. sounds like you're, you're really a supporter of the underdog, right? That, like you said, the unsung hero, the people who are behind the scenes that kind of, uh, I call it the, everybody focuses on the bricks, but it's the mortar that makes the wall strong. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and and it sounds like you're really into that, that mortar and all the things that kind of keep it all together. So that's, that's really cool and inspiring. I, I love the way that you offer that perspective. So you work with a ton of businesses. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me ask you this. What pick one or two of the biggest mistakes you see business owners making? Like what, what are the things that you walk in? You're like, I bet they're doing this, right? Because I've been at this long enough that I know on the financial side, there's a couple of key things If people are struggling. There's a couple of key things they're not doing. What do you see as the biggest mistakes? So I would say the first largest mistake I see is that most service-based businesses are either creators or they're very um, heart-driven with what they're doing. And they will say, well, I'm not a numbers person. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. a numbers person. Yeah. And we hide behind that to not understand what the numbers of the business are saying. And so, you know, I do a, a service called a business audit and I'll go and I'll look at three years of performance, marketing, sales, financials, the whole kit and caboodle. And I was working on one today. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, inevitably, that means I have no idea what's going on in my business. I'm utterly surprised if I make or lose money. I'm scared almost every week of, can I keep it going? Can I pay payroll? Whatever, you know, substitute that thing is. And inevitably, I can find so much cash that is just leaking out of a bucket. Mm-hmm. And they get locked into, it kind of creates a situation where you get locked into trying to get more and more clients and work more and more, except you reach a point where you can't work more. Yeah. And you're like, how am I working so hard? And there's nothing left over. That's because you have been hiding behind the, I'm not a numbers person um, right. kind of thing. But that's why there's people out there like you and me that help those numbers make sense. So, yeah. So let, let me ask you this. I mean, I have my own philosophy on this, but, and I, I love your comparison of the bucket because what I, what I feel like we do is people, a lot of entrepreneurs are really top line focused, right? Like yeah. put more money in the bucket, put more money in the bucket, put more money in the bucket. But if it's got a bunch of holes, yeah, that's a problem, right? So, so patching up the bucket is a really, really important, important part of that. Um, but as you, as you uh, talk to these people who are say, who say I'm not a money person or I'm not a, a numbers person, at what level do you think people need to understand that? I mean, I don't think that they need to be a, a an engineer running all of the numbers and reading spreadsheets all the time and stuff. So, at what level do you think an entrepreneur needs to be aware of their own business versus, of course, using bookkeepers and and other professionals to help them understand and, and interpret that? just so that people can kind of get a feel like, okay, I'm not a numbers person. How much do I need to learn about the numbers to really be effective? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of things in that question. So the first part is that if you're not a numbers person, probably one of your first hires is somebody that is a numbers person, be that a bookkeeper, you know, your CPA, people like that, that will take care of those details. I am not, I'm a huge supporter of my clients not doing their own books. You've got bigger fish to fry. We can make more money 
other places, right? Yep. But I do think that you, it's kind of like we talk about having a date with your money. So there's certain dates with your money that you need to have. Like weekly, you need to be looking at your cash flow. Um, most people don't have a predictive cash flow tool to be able to make that possible, but it's more than just balancing your checkbook. <laughs> it's yeah. looking at what what's next month going to look like? What's two months going to look like? If I make this investment today, how does that impact me? When can we recoup the cost? So that's one date you need to have. Then I think on a monthly basis, you just need to be having a pulse. You know, you need to know what your key metrics are and look at how are we performing against those key metrics? Because it's the only way that you can nimbly manage um, and treat those somewhat lagging indicators Mm -hmm. as a positive present indicator. But if you're not looking at it to the end of the year, you're probably leaving a lot of money on the table. Yeah, yeah. I talk a lot about that with taxes. You know, if they're not, if you're not making choices along the way, you're just leaving a ton of money on the table. But cash flow wise, it's huge. And it is one of the biggest mistakes that I see people making. Uh, you know, on my side of the equation, it's like, oh, we're putting all this money into our 401k, but we're carrying credit card debt. It's like, why would you want to earn seven on this side when you're paying 29 on this side? That's an, that's a net loss. Um, I'm sure you see that in, in cash flow and everything. So how do how do people identify? You mentioned lagging indicators versus like leading indicators. Um, how do you identify those key metrics in a business? So we have 14 that we start with for every business. And then I find there's about two to three um, that are really specific to industries or the way you do business type of thing. And we look at them for a period of time, you know, six months to a year. If we do business audit, obviously I can look at three years in past history. Um, Our goal is to get it down to as few as possible. Right, right. Because that's, that's kind of a logistical nightmare and they're not all equally important. So I do think you have to watch them for a while to understand what are the drivers. So your drivers are your leading indicators. In my business, it's speaking. If I'm mm-hmm. speaking, if I'm on podcast, if I'm that's a very leading indicator for me. Okay. I have a very long pipeline. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, my pipeline can be really short or really long. <laughs> and sure. so we're we're feeding we're feeding um, really our future every day. And so we look at that as a leading indicator of our potential success. But your post indicators are going to be, you know, like your net profit margins and sure. things of that. How well did we perform to plan? So there's, they do cross over a little bit, but, you know, there's anything you'll get out of QuickBooks is a somewhat lagging indicator because they've already happened, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Anything that you can impact is a little bit more of a leading indicator um, because I can look forward and see how many I have scheduled speaking engagements for the year and I can impact that ahead of the game. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so very very important and good distinction because I think a lot of people are looking at their bank account or they're looking at QuickBooks and they're saying, okay, we made this money, but the truth was that money was generated two, three, six, 12 months in advance and then it had to be processed. And then finally, once that goes through, then you see it in QuickBooks. But you know, I know for me and my business, the things I'm doing right now, I'll make money on in somewhere between 60 and 120 days from now. So if you're just looking at the back end, you're thinking, where did all this money come from? We did great in June. Well, that's because I was kicking butt in March, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so so thank you for clearing that distinction up. 
So I want to talk just a little bit because this show is really about like highlighting you and, and some of the things that you've done. Um, share with me a little bit about like, what are some of the biggest uh, hurdles you've had to overcome to grow this? Because I know there's a lot of people out there who are in the coaching and consulting space and they're very, very successful people. And there's a lot of people who are like scraping it. You know this, um, yeah. you know, they're making a thousand, 2000 bucks a month, trying to land a client here or there. How did you make that transition from like, you know, sort of just barely getting it going to, to really get into profitability to where you have a business, you can hire a team. Cause I think a lot of people who are in your business are stuck in the solo, you know, solopreneur type yeah. of world. How'd you make that transition? <laughs> you know, one speaking engagement, somebody asked me of what was the number one thing that every entrepreneur struggles with. Mm-hmm. And I hate those questions because they're like these booby traps, you know? Yeah. And I sat with it and I said, the mind, the uh-huh. mind is the biggest limiter for business owners. And so that has been true for myself as well. I know for one thing that really, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman, I'm a business owner, I'm a mom, I, you know, have a high priority on kids. Uh And there was this story that I told myself that was, I didn't want a million dollar business because I didn't want to pay the price for a million dollar business. Because all the stories I saw were of women who barely saw their kids, you know, were Uh burned out all of these things that you could go. And at that time, my reaction was to go 180 degrees in the other way instead (laughs) of, Yeah. but we do this, right? We see something we don't like and our reactions to go 180 degrees instead of saying, how can I rewrite that story? How, what is it about it that I want different? What is it about it that I, I want to set for myself, like the feeding or the (laughs) feed your soul or suck your soul. You know, I was like, what is it that? And it wasn't until I, really saw myself as going, wow, anytime I see something I don't want in my own life, I 180 it instead of rewriting that story. That was a really big thing for me Mm. is really understanding. Okay. So if I, my goal is on that million dollar business, what is it that I want from it? Uh And is there another number in there that actually feeds that those goals better than Mm. this number? Mm. So like you said, you know, we're taught to focus on the top line But honestly, I've seen million dollar business with the business owners making 60 grand and there's no profit. And I've seen half a million dollar service business where the business owners making 300,000. Sure. Sure. You know, it's like, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've definitely seen that. I think you bring up a really great point because I have a, a very good friend. He's super successful. He went out and spoke, but he was speaking 280 days a year right? Like out on the circuit, making tremendous money. And I just thought, I just don't want to do that. So what did I do? Just what you said for years, I didn't go out and speak. And the problem was that forced me to be very limited in how I could grow my business. Right. So, uh, and, and it's funny because with the, uh, the pandemic I've discovered, I can do all this from home. <laughs> <laughs> and people are okay with that. Like we're doing, uh, currently as we're recording this, we're doing a, like a week long series I do that's a small business tax master class uh, that we do every six to eight weeks. And I do it all from home. It's great. Yeah. I'm in my little filming studio here and we pre- present a ton of content and, you know, help a ton of people who don't even work with us. And then a ton of people decide to work with us because of it, but it's, it's super cool. So I, I love, I really love that distinction because I do think people do it. I see it all the time in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. My last 
boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife was X. So now I'm going to go all the way to the opposite of X, right? They were yeah. super possessive. So now I want somebody who will let me do anything and acts like they don't care. <laughs> right? And then they go into that. And that's a whole different mess. Yeah. So, they're like, I didn't really want that. Yeah. So I love, I love how you're kind of questioning, like, what do I want out of this business and how can I get that rather than I saw this thing that didn't work. So I'm going to do the opposite. Super, super cool distinction. Um, so tell me about your ideal client. Who are you guys best suited to serve? I know you said service business, but that's obviously, like you said, such a huge, huge thing. Like, is there a, uh, an income range, right? Maybe not someone who's just starting, but maybe someone who's at a certain revenue level or someone who's just growing their team or someone who has a team, they're taking the next step. Tell me a little bit about your, who you guys are really designed to just knock it out of the park for. So we tend to work with businesses at one of two points and we have different services that kind of adjust them or meet them where they are. Um, we're not a business that's about magic formulas, <laughs> okay. we're really about meeting you where you are, crafting the solution for you. Um, so highly individualized and customized, but they're really at one to two points. So typically they have been in business for a while um, mm-hmm. and they're just getting to that point where they're done working hard. And they're wondering okay. if there's some a better way to do that. From a revenue standpoint, the, at the um, one end, you're probably about 250 to 350. And you're uh-huh. trying to see how you can get over that half a million mark. Um, on the other end, you're probably either nearing your million dollar, or you've passed your million dollar or multi-million dollar goals. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, it might be cheaper for me to actually close the business, go get a job. I make more and get more, get more holiday pay and, and benefits. Right. You're kind of at that. You're, you're really questioning the value of what you're doing and what you're sinking your heart and your mind and your soul into. And so we help them in different ways. But you know what we do is really similar. So we always start with the cash because for service-based businesses outside of 2020 and 2021, <laughs> Getting funding is really challenging. So we get the business to self-fund itself in uh-huh. every way. Like you were saying, with the leaky bucket, we patch all the holes in the bucket before we turn the faucet. You know, we're right. we're we're not gonna capsize the business, but we're just gonna shore it up so that everything we do from that point out is more impactful than it's ever been before. Yeah, yeah. I call that getting off the financial treadmill. We were yep. just running and running and running and not going anywhere. And then yeah. when you get off, now you've got some traction. And when you move, when you run, you move forward as opposed to just staying in place. So I think it's just super, super important because I see it as like probably the most common theme with business owners. And, and it sounds like you guys are really keyed in on that and help people identify, okay, you're creating the money. Where's it going? What's going on? How efficient are you? How effective are you? how do we turn that revenue into profitability, which I think a lot gets lost in there. And people kind of take it, I think, as a foregone conclusion that we have to have all these expenses. And the truth is, just like anything, there's doing something and then there's doing it well. (laughs) And they're quite different. We've touched on this just a a little bit in our conversation here and there. And this is, I think, it's the concept of so many business owners come into business management with this break-even mindset because they're afraid to pay taxes. And that... That impacts profitability tremendously. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you shift to a profit, you're going to create a tax burden. Like I tell people all the day, if we're 
If we do a good job, guess what? We're going to create a tax burden. Guess what? That's why you need your CPA. You need your tax experts. You need your financial advisors because they help reduce the tax burden. Yep. And it's a partnership. But if you don't have that expectation of profit, that profit's not an intention, then it just never magically appears. And it hurts you when you're ready to get off the hamster wheel. Because um, now you're like, how? I don't even feel like I can. Yeah, yeah. So like you said, that's another limiting belief that people have, right? And so uh, I'll just say this, being someone who does, I'm not a CPA, but we do a ton of tax strategy and work with a ton of CPAs. And essentially what it is, on the low end, it's not that hard to shave off ten dollars to $40,000 uh, a year in taxes. And then once you get to where you've written everything off and you get to that four, five, six hundred thousand plus range of taxable income where taxes are just crushing it. There's a there's a ton of things that we can do. There's a lot of uh, tax advantaged investments out there that people are totally unaware of. You put money into a, an investment, sure you get an ROI, but you also get a massive tax write off. Mm-hmm. And technically, that's not ROI; it's just tax savings. But the net effect is more money stays in your bank account. So that investment created more money for you. Um, and people are totally unaware of that, but that's why you have the Romneys and the Obamas and the Clintons who are, these people are in the 24% tax bracket. They're not in the 37 plus tax bracket. And it's a massive difference in how much money you make and get to keep. So anybody out there who's listening, if you're in that world and you're afraid to create more profit because you don't want to get taxed on it, I promise you there are strategies to help reduce that. Don't let that be the reason that you don't create more dollars. Precisely. It's that fear of tax, you know, Uh that's so interesting, like the fear of running out of money and the fear of tax, those tend to be the two biggest fears that keep people playing small. Yeah. You know, and letting go of both of them, like you're going to have to invest. You always have to invest before success. So, okay, take the pill, swallow it and move on, you know, so that you can create, you know, income and profit and, and, and wealth ultimately. Yeah. So tell me your thoughts on this, but what you're talking about there is you have to invest, but I think a lot of people think of that as an expense, like say a new employee. Oh, that's an expense as opposed to that's an investment. How do you help people to sort of differentiate what is an expense and what is an investment? I know I'm using my language here, so it might be a curveball, but I'm interested in how you think about that. So one of the things I I think you're right, I think people view anything we pay out as an expense. What Uh we don't understand is that an employee, if you've done your work and you've done it properly, Uh should have a return on investment. That's all business is, is a a commercial return on your investment. Uh And so when you make investments or expenses, and if you think about, is this going to provide a return on investment? And if it's yes, then you look at things like, well, how long? Most people think it's going to happen like a light switch. I walk over, I turn the light switch, I paid it. Now the yeah. money's going to come in. Yeah. It work like that. Nope. <laughs> like we were talking earlier, like the marketing I do today is a 60 to 120 day return on investment. Yep. You have to have that knowledge. Um, but if you if you kind of look at that and you challenge yourself on the ones of going, wow, that's not really a return on in my investment. I wouldn't get anything back from that. And, and just ask yourself, if is it something I need or want? And is it something that maybe just makes my life a little easier? Or is it something that I'm going, well, I've worked so hard today. I deserve, you know, and you just have to 
judge those expenses, their value in dessert rewarding, but judge them for mm-hmm. their ability to produce a return on investment. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it makes you more than it costs you, then it's an investment. And if it doesn't, it's an expense, right? <laughs> I know. Real I, simple. I, I talk about that with debt all the time. I'm like, the only reason to go into debt, not to buy stuff you want to use, but to if it's going to pay you or create more income than it costs you, then it's an investment and you can do that. But just going into debt to spend it on stuff is a bad idea. So, mm-hmm. well, well, awesome, Leslie, you have shared a ton of wisdom today. I've really, really appreciate it. So remind people uh, where they can find you, how they can get in touch with you um, and, and uh, kind of see if you guys are a good fit or if they want to reach out to you. Yeah, like we said, the first great place to start is this at scalingrich.com. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead and take the Scaling Rich quiz. And as part of that, depending on where you are, we actually will give you some resources that are like perfect, spot on for where you are. A lot of people that have gone this, they're like, how did you know? You got it so right. So we know <laughs> the quiz is really good. Um, so that's the best way. And then, you know, you'll get my contact information through there. And um, if it's a good fit, we'd love to chat with you. Yeah. And we'll also have the links in the show notes down here. So don't be afraid to, to check those. Make sure you get the website right and everything. So uh, something I like to do, Leslie, is, is give everybody who's on the show a chance to take 30, 60, 90 seconds to say whatever it is that you as a human being need or want to say, whether it's related to what we've talked to about or talked about today is there anything that you feel like, hey, there, this is something that just needs to be out there and you want to share with everybody? Mm, yeah. What I will share is if you feel like the things you've done in the past are no longer working, don't worry. You're in good company. A lot of change is happening across industries, across economies, and that rate of change isn't going to slow down. So chances are, If you would like different results in your business, you're going to have to do something different enough. Change your habits, change your mindset, change your, you know, where you're making your investments different enough to get that different result. Awesome. I appreciate it. I think it's, it's super, super important. I think you can uh, embrace change and life gets pretty exciting or you can run from and hate and despise and fear change and life gets really small. And mm. I, I discovered this at one point, you know, when I was around some people who were like, oh, today's music, today's TV, today's, today's fashion, it all sucks, it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, <laughs> if I just look for the good in this and I embrace change, life is really fun. And if I just look at what's wrong with it or how it isn't as good as when I was a kid or whatever, uh, life, life gets pretty crappy pretty fast. So I love the idea of embracing change and realizing it's coming, whether you want it to or not. So, so thank you for sharing that. So, uh, it's been a real pleasure. You know, I feel like I could have gotten out my pickaxe and, and dug for gold here all day long, but we only had a a limited amount of time, but thank you very much for being on the show and for all that you're, you're doing for business owners, Leslie. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers 
to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Van Ness, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business Big Life movement. Now get out there, create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.